Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Regan Phillips. Hello, guys. Hello, James. Can you describe yourself in your own words? From the rugby days, from which, seem, from- which seem like... Which is decades ago, actually, now. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So my name's Regan. Uh, currently, I run RegansRugby.com, where we help uh, current and next rugby players with their fitness and with their fitness training. To zap back a lifetime ago, um, I was a rugby mad kid, played since I was about five or six. Um, school every week when I could, club every week when I could. Uh, in the last few years, um, dabbling around injuries, I was up to Essex level, um, but didn't really go much further than that. Um, I would have liked to hope to, but cue violin, sad violin. I think I got injured before maybe going anywhere further, but not amazing. I was okay. Um, as I said, struggled with tons of injuries. Um, done my ACL in my left knee when I was 13. Took me two years to come back from that after two surgeries. And I think I managed about three or four matches um, before doing my other ACL, which was completely devastating. Uh, took about two years to come from that. And then coming back, well, I don't think I rehabbed it properly. Like there was a, that was a lot of uh, drunken teenage nights. And uh, I think I damaged it in the meantime. Um, so when I came back, it was always swelling up. I couldn't train. I could just about play games on the weekend, um, but I couldn't like walk the rest of the week. So I kind of packed it in. Um, and then James didn't know, but I also competed in lightweight strongman for a couple of years after that. Um, my gym coach back when I was at school was an active powerlifter and strongman. His name's Aaron, Aaron McGoin. He's got plenty of strongman and uh, powerlifting world records and a few big titles. I think he's won Europe. Europe's strongest man under 90 a few times. And basically he helped me during my rehab. Um, And in my rehab, I was doing this strength training, going to his house, doing some stone lifting, doing all this cool stuff, which is good for rugby. Um, It shouldn't be your only focus if you're training for rugby, but it's good for rugby. It's whole body stuff. It's functional movements. It's not moving forward and backwards, which are important. And then in my rehab, um, he saw like a little local competition. So I dived into one of those. I think I was like, middle of the table but basically it was something else that I could focus on and I loved because the rugby it was the the sidestepping and stuff where my knee would buckle but but strongman is either straight up and down deadlift squats stone lifting log pressing is all up and down I could do basically standing still Um, and if you do anything moving it's straightforward like a um, a farmer's carry is running forward and back a yoke lift is carrying forward and back Um, uh, a medley event which you might have seen on world strongest man like three kegs or three strong three uh sandbags you're picking those up and you're running forward and turning back and the funny thing the most dangerous part for me was when i would do the turn like if i'd put a sandbag somewhere high i'd have to like prance like a prance around like a ballerina before i was running straight and then i could actually run straight again which was a funny part of it um did that for a couple of years um when i first started it i was obviously rugby mad um and still in the sort of rugby lifestyle and then and then when I calmed down with that my weight dropped and I was uh pretty close to 90 kilos which is the lightweight category 
Um, and then I saw that now that I dropped loads of body fat and I was healthier than before, I could compete on the same level as my old coach. Um, so I was entering the national level qualifiers, which I think in the first year I got through just by like one point. Um, and then basically I competed on and off up to about England's strongest man level for about four years. I had one year off when I tried to have a normal job and I gave up very quickly. <laughs> um, and then after that, I was in a, working in the gym by then, started doing sort of membership sales and marketing of the whole gym. Uh, and then it kind of turned into a general manager type job. Um, and then on the side, people were asking me to train them. And I said, oh, I'm not a trainer. So, so that's not my kind of thing. I'm just looking after the gym. But after about a year of people asking me, I got my uh, PT course. And that started, I started doing that on the side. So maybe after work on the weekends. And then I just got more demand for that. Over about a year, I, I started doing more personal training and taking away my gym manager time. And then I was, oh, I don't know the year. When was I full-time personal trainer? Probably 2017 ish. Yeah, around about then, basically, um, which is great. First couple of years when you love it and everything's new and all this kind of jazz. Um, and then wanting to expand a bit because I had networks from uni in Leeds, from family across the UK. Um, I wanted to be able to help people. So that's when I dabbled in sort of online training, which at the time was. Microsoft Excel and phone calls, which I'm sure we've both upgraded out of by now. Um, and then three years ago, just as I started like a travel year, which is where I kind of moved away from England is where I committed full-time to the online coaching. And I set up vegansrugby.com, which is where we are now. And this is the story now. <laughs> so Regan, if we rewind uh, to the beginning of your rugby career now, you played for Essex, but for the Brits listening and watching, you don't sound like this the stereotypical stereotypical person from Essex. No, I don't. <laughs> the, the 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 stereotype and the image is very swayed from the infamous Only Way is Essex show. Um, but maybe my parents aren't from the area, so I don't talk like that. Um, I did go to a private school, so maybe we're taught to talk talk a bit differently. Uh, I get that a lot, actually. People that know UK and say, I know Essex, but you don't sound like you're from there. Uh, but no. What private school did you go to? It's called Bancroft School. Whereabouts is that? It is in Woodford, which is technically, I don't know if it's Essex or East London. It's a suburb of London, east of London. Okay. So is it more of a synonymous of a rugby school? Um, it's not a famous rugby school. They play rugby. Um, I think for some for some reason within the school they don't enter any any tournaments. They don't enter anything for some uh, for some strange reason. So there's just kind of friendlies. Which after I left, I realised oh that was kind of not as competitive as I wanted to be. Uh, but they're not known. For, they, they are rugby school. Um, they're good. They're decent. Um, but it's not like they're one of these top tier. I didn't go on like a rugby thing. It's not It's not one of those things. <laughs> it was just a local school and that was the sport that I was playing at the time. And then when you progressed on to to do Strongman, were you in the same time frame as, say, Adam Bishop and, and those guys? Or is that a little bit sooner? I When I... Oh, I can't remember. Even my strongman seems years ago. I think I stopped stopped competing five, six, probably six years ago. When I before before Facebook and all this stuff, and now everything's organised really easily. There was a little dodgy back end website 
where you would find about these competitions. And I remember Adam Bishop being on there um, with his username, which was Big Bad Bish or something like that. And he was like this young guy who was who was coming up. Um, and I knew about him. I never, I've never met him in person, um, but I knew about him. And it was probably we were probably competing at the same time. But but um, he, there's three categories in, in a strongman. There's under 90 kilos, which is small guys like me. There's under 105, and then there's the big boys. So so under 90 is not a professional thing. I don't think anyone, unless you're famous on social media, you won't get. I'm not going to say any money, but money to live off, definitely not. Um, under 105 could be the top few people in the world. I, actually, I'm going to be bold and say you probably can't have a living out of under 105 strongman because people don't care so much. They want to see 150 kilo Brian Shaw and Eddie Hall, 200 kilo Brian Shaw and Eddie Hall do it. Um, but in the in the heavyweights is on TV a lot. There's loads of promotions. You get paid for shows and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think Adam, because he is a very successful strongman, very successful strength and conditioning coach, he was able to, from 105, put on good weight to be, I haven't seen anything lately, but I'm sure he's like 140 kilos, like an absolute unit. I think the last, well, the world strongest man that was out at Christmas, so say it would, it would have been in the summer. Uh, now, we, now we've got Instagram, Facebook, you hear about the result long before it airs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd gone professional. So he'd, he'd put down... Uh, strength and conditioning with Tyler oh, I didn't know that. to go pro uh, and on and, and be it uh so you got some context and he listens I, I knew of Adam Bishop uh, when he was playing for the Ospreys so, so he was ex-rugby player as well so he's yeah, oh yeah I didn't know fa- that. fairly uh, a unit anyway so I think he, he could play wing center no really I think so I think he'd be able to migrate across the uh, across a few which is a, a skill in itself to be able to mm-hmm. play multiple positions but if we rewind back to your days what position did you play i was a better flanker but playing for my school which was probably lower standard than the club i would be in the center um my hands were average <laughs> but i could run and tackle and stuff like that but yeah i think flanker was my best i like playing number seven I'd have to fill in the eight sometimes, and I just. How do you go from in. playing in the back row to go to going in the centre? That's common switch. <laughs> no, but as in it's a massive, it's a massive historic prehistorically or historically. The forwards can't pass. Obviously, that doesn't exist nowadays. But the centres have got to be the the this the secondary fly half nowadays so yeah. you have to be able to have some skills so, well, so I, I find it strange that you say you hadn't got the hands so mm-hmm. why move you into that position where but it was it was 10 years ago when the 12 didn't have to be a 10 and i was more of a crash ball center more, rather than more hands. of a jamie roberts uh, yeah if you can compare me to jamie roberts, <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely take that but no, i think because it was it was it was less of a it, it was less than it was a lower standard than the, the club, which would have been the next day. And it was, um, I liked playing there, basically. But uh, yeah, it was more crash ball play and you can make the hits and cover the fly half. We'll see if he watches this. He'll know who he is. <laughs> and, and playing a sport has helped with you in your business to some extent. Has playing a sport helped you in, in your business to some extent? Absolutely. Um, because... I was absolutely obsessed with 
rugby for as long as I played, like every day trying to learn something about it, implementing it, telling my mates, telling them to do these kind of things. Then doing strongman, absolutely obsessed with it, trying things on me, doing with my mates. Um, and that's all experience. It might not be like doing this course or whatever, but having experience helping people and delivering it to people. Because I feel like with the Regan's Rugby now, the best thing is that I deliver it to people in a way they can do. I'm not pitching it as I'm an England SNC coach. I'm not pitching it like they're complete newbies. I know how to talk with these people. Um, and that's through the years of being at the rugby clubs, talking to either guys I've played with or I actually help dads. I call them my rugby dads are the guys I like to help. I've been surrounded by the dads ever since I've been at the rugby club, which was from what 10 until now, whenever I go. Um, so the playing has been important because I've lived it and I know the routine between feeling absolutely mashed on a Sunday and probably on a Monday, but, but people might have the idea, no, I've got to train every day. This guy on Instagram says you've got to train every day. Um, but they're not a rugby player or a combat sportsman, combat athletes, and you, you have to pitch it around. So, so yeah, 100% that helps. And I think that's really important for anyone trying to help their sport they're trying to do because I, I have an idea about, let's say, uh, a jiu-jitsu athlete who I took on last month. I've maybe done five sessions of jiu-jitsu in my whole life, and that five sessions has made it a lot easier to know about intricate stuff like how your fingers hurt, how your traps hurt. And if I didn't do those five sessions, I would have just had a bit of a research and guessed it. Um so I think it is important to have played the sport that you are coaching. Maybe it's not maybe it's not the ultimate thing, but it gives you the little things that you wouldn't know. Like, have you done any jujitsu or grappling or anything? The, done, the, the only combat sports that I've done, and you wouldn't really call them combat, is taekwondo uh, and karate. And, and be it the instructor, how old have I been? I've been probably early teens and... Uh, Gosh, I would have been about eight years old when I did karate. The instructors obviously modified the, the sessions to me so I could be included. So we're talking probably 20, 30 years ago. So it's way ahead of its time in terms of the word inclusive uh, because mm -hmm. it were, um, I still don't know how I was able to do a forward roll with a prosthetic on. Um, mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't imagine to do it now and not hurt myself. Mm -hmm. Um but it's not comp competitive, uh, combat competitive in terms of say jujitsu, uh, and maybe the, the taekwondo that you see on, on in the Olympics or the Paralympics. So it was more upper body orientated, block, like block combinations, things like that. Um, so I've been immersed to that and the. The discipline. Uh, I thought I obviously stopped doing karate because of my discipline. Um, my mom said that's not true. It was the next instructor wasn't inclusive, so that's why we we packed it in. So I was like, okay, that uh, it makes me feel a bit a lot better then. You've jumped around was, tons of sports, haven't you? Uh, yeah, that was probably the early days. Uh, swimmer, rower, volleyball. Uh, you can see most of it behind me, but um, uh, for those listening, you can, obviously can't see it, but. No, that's that's. I think at the at the at the root of it, I've probably got raw, raw talent and being able to be positioned to succeed. So that technically, it's probably people's belief in me. Um, like you, 
and like many of my friends, obsessive with the sport. And this probably brings me to my next question to you, Regan. What do you say to people when they kind of challenge you on the word obsession? Because ultimately, for some people, it's very much subjective. It, it It's demonized most of the time. But what would you say to people when they say having an obsession is, is negative? Hmm. I find that's quite a good one. Because I, I, I said, and I know I've been obsessed and like with my online work now, I mean, you would work with the same guy. For these years, I've been obsessed with trying to find out how to deliver something online and how to have the best change as well. Um, I don't really know. I've never had that question in person. I don't really know why, what I would say to them. I've, I've done, I've done, I've, I've done it as a, uh, a, a, well, you know what a gauge post is in terms of getting people's opinions. I did it on what's the difference between dedication, obsession. I can't remember what the third one was. And it went off. Yeah. It went mental. And people were disagreeing about obsession. It's like, okay, I'll butt in when it when it calms down because it's it's very much uh, a subjective word. I wouldn't say it's that negative in terms of if we're going the lines of you know compulsion. Uh, addiction now we're getting dangerous territory mm-hmm. but an obsession is the only thing i'm probably going to challenge people on is maybe the gym you know if you're going seven times plus you 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 maybe need to look at the, the priorities a little bit more as or could you not do it condense the training into maybe four five mm-hmm. three four uh because going every day going to take over your life it's going to cause friction in obviously your your niche of family life because oh john you're going to the gym all the time what about the kids that's something that i i swear sorry i just butted in there go on go on i wasn't i was finishing (laughs) when i uh when when the lockdowns happened and i was like oh god what's gonna what's gonna happen um because i liked giving gym plans and i believe that's the best thing for for getting their results but um, a lot of the guys after that, I mean, I switched, I switched everyone to home plans after that. And after that, a lot of the guys were like, yeah, I'm not driving to the gym for 25. A lot of these guys want to get their body fat down and feel fitter. So like a 30 minute hit workout is close enough than doing an hour of weights. Um, obviously, there's a different end result, but for what they're looking for, we can probably get a similar thing. And they can do, they can get all their workouts done in max two hours, maybe two hours 30, rather than gym commute hogging waiting for machines you've got to do a bigger warm-up if you're doing weights like i remember doing strongman from walking to the gym to my first working set could be like half an hour (laughs) obviously those guys aren't doing like stupid heavy stuff but uh a lot of my guys um where i would push away from home workouts before if their goal is get their body fat down feel fitter get more confident i'll say look if you want to save the gym time save the gym fees we can definitely do it at home the question is after after a few months, it may feel repetitive and then, and then maybe you want to change the scenery or um, we just need to gauge their motivation. That's, that's more of a key rather than can they get results from working at home? It's how do I stop them saying, okay, I'm bored of doing the same types of exercises. That's why that's where my guys come back to me or. Yeah. But boredom is to a certain extent you've lost the fuel to if you were to say that. Because you and I's thing, and people ask me, uh, maybe not in a public podcast setting, 
what does your day-to-day look like? To some extent, it's very repetitive. Yeah, but me and you can take that because we're used to saying, I will take this for this result. Let's say if someone said to you, you have to do 500 push-ups every single day, but you're going to get a whatever medal in whatever you're chasing in a year. You'd be like, fucking sweet, I'm doing it. I'll just tick off each day. But but with, like you said, the family guys that I'm trying to train, they're not as regimented and they can't take it as easy as that. And they might go, oh, I'm a bit bored of this. So then sometimes you have to change it up. But me, I think me and you have the same mentality on, if I do this, I don't care. I will not get bored of it. Like, I think I've had the same breakfast for like seven years of my life, but I can't tell my members to do that because they're not as regimented like that. Yeah, but that's that. Th- there is, you say mindset in that, that, that repetition of that task, it becomes second nature. Or if I was to say it goes into the subconscious, mm-hmm. it's something that, okay. If I was to say to somebody, do you think about brushing your teeth? No, obviously mm-hmm. you would do it because of the stigma. If you didn't, because people would be, oh, your breast stinks. Or and the results. There's, there's, a, there's a consequence to not doing it. There's a consequence to not bathing. There's a consequence to, to a certain extent of, you know, not doing the basics. Because uh, when you say they get easily, well, I'll say easily bored, they get bored when it comes to thing because it's repetitive it's a minor tweak really because it's like well is it working the answer is probably yes i would probably challenge them just because it's me uh because if it's if it's going to make you function better in your sport why wouldn't you do it because if it underpins everything that you do on the rugby field it's a bonus so why would you get bored with it but that's obviously me uh, not seeking conflict but seeking kind of go well i didn't challenge that often my strength and conditioning coaches at the at the elite level i did sometimes but it was more to get a better understanding of okay why am i do why can i not you know drop weight here put it up here to mess around with the sets because technically my body's not going to know what's hit it mm-hmm. and though i was given some of that <clears throat> flexibility more in rowing and my strength conditioning was uh he went on to uh in rowing to go to sailing afterwards but he's a, he's a welsh guy he worked pretty much with celebs as well so so it would be okay james just go whack that weight best on yeah, we're happy with boredom and doing the same thing. I would prefer a member say, oh, yeah, I lost two stone uh, and, and he changed it halfway through. It was really good rather than, yeah, I lost two stone, but it was boring by the end. Yeah, I think you got to keep it in novel, not no, the novelty of it. And I guess it's trying to not counteract that societal bias to some extent of, I want the latest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but the latest thing is if you ripped away all the layers, it's probably the same with everything else, be it mm-hmm. uh, with exercise, you can't reinvent the wheel really because exercise is an exercise, unless you get really, 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 very stupid. Um, Just create and, some new exercise. And, and create like things that are dangerous. You see things with crazy things on social media, thinking that's just an accident waiting to happen. Uh, nutrition of keto atkins pretty much the same thing 
uh, it's just called something else um, and it's just reinvent reinventing it every couple of decades um, and the mindset is called slightly different things but based on what setting is in that's about it so when you say to me our mindset is very similar uh, my my business is probably going to evolve again because it's people want to know about more about mindset within my niche it's like okay good we're going in the right direction but that's more for me it's not a case of boredom when it comes to ex exercise i quite enjoy because still like cracking the whip sometimes that's fun but the the nutritional component can be quite laborious quite okay it's a sexy word for boring but because of depending on what the person's outcome it's very repetitive for us because it's like oh it's the same thing again okay but what i've tried to do for me so it doesn't get tedious is you know the person's journey is going to differ their setbacks are going to be slightly different how they overcome setbacks are going to be different some some people are going to react more positively some people are going to react obviously the norm um and reacting to setbacks do you mean sorry no but as in setbacks from from a nutritional point of view but if we, if we mm. come back to you though regan how detrimental was it for you psychologically to have one ACL injury, which is pretty bad, to having two. It's terrible, man. And, and I probably wouldn't be able to admit it if I didn't study about being able to share ideas. I remember walking in on the first one and the doctor saying, uh, you know, like giving the reasons and saying, you never know. Some people just have weak ACLs and, and you could come back and do the next one. I remember me and my mum and dad like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then two years later, there I was like with the exact next one. Um, and that was where I feel like, like when the exit selection was going on and I was picturing all this stuff and I was talking to, uh, friends who were scouts or whatever, and trying to apply to these different things. And it was like really, really bad. Uh, even now, uh, two weeks ago, this knee is swollen and I think it's negatively affecting how I think about a lot of things. I, I said that on the phone to my mom this morning. And when I said it, I was like, wow, like maybe also this knee is like bringing me back to all my teenage years and 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 not being able to do that stuff. Um, so even now, this same knee, I've been limping on it for like a week and a half, and it's I think it's affecting me in other ways because I'm double double checking myself or double thinking myself, whatever. I forgot the phrase. My English is terrible now. I'm not living there anymore. <laughs> uh, second guessing. That's the phrase. Second guessing myself. Um, in strongman, I hit it too hard, didn't look after my body, and I was getting all these disc problems. So, so I've got a reputation of kind of hitting a sport so hard and not looking after my body, which is definitely what I advise my members not to do. That's not, that's going back to like you said, is doing a sport important? And and I think it definitely is because I know that these guys can do less than than do a workout every single day, big heavy strength conditioning workout every day, because in six months, something's going to frig up. Whereas if their goal is get their body weight down, feel fitter on the pitch or off the pitch, mm -hmm. they don't need to do that seventh session. They need to focus on their food for that seventh day. And then they'll be looking after their body. And I say, learn from my mistakes and like coaching these young guys that are in my 
rugby team. We had a game the weekend just gone. Two of them, come on, jump to play. This guy's not turned up, jump to play. I was like, I want you to play, but I also want you to play for 10 years and not stop playing at 19 like I did. So uh, that's not like a client of mine, but yeah, that's just advising young guys. And um, yeah, you try and you try and muscle through it. And I remember guys older than me who I respected telling me, if you're limping in the game, mate, you should get seen to. And I was like, no, I've got to play every week. Got to play every week. Um, but pay the price for that, definitely. Yeah, but that's so much is that I've I, I that surprises me for people to say you need to get it checked out because the the. <laughs> The bias looking from the external view in to rugby is playing for injury. Okay, they can't do it through concussion now, but you know, man the fuck up in terms of and keep keep going. So you got 15 men on the pitch. So if we progress now to obviously your present day, how did you get involved with the Hungarian Sevens program? Then? We moved here. My fiance is Hungarian. We came here. Uh, end of 2019 and we intended on staying for a couple of months this is her city uh, and then doing a big road trip back to England and then we weren't sure where we we're going to live because we both had online jobs and we wanted to move around a bit um, the first lockdowns happened in like the March and then basically we just started crossing off countries oh we can't go there we can't go there and we realized if we were going to get to England we were going to have to do like a swerve around Sweden or somewhere so um so being here for a while, uh, experiencing living somewhere new, being here was one of the options where to settle anyway. Um, and then we just ended up staying here. The, I think the lo- I trained at a gym and someone in the gym was at the local rugby team. Um, so they asked me to come and help them out um, with their just general fitness and training. And if anyone knows moving somewhere new, you got to go out and meet people. It's not like you've known people for 25 years. Um, so I did that. And then maybe the year later, or because it was on and off with the lockdowns, the year later, the national team asked me to help out with the under 18s. No, maybe maybe that year they asked me to help out with the under 18 sevens, which was like match day prep, cooling off between games, that kind of stuff. And the following summer, um, they invited me to be the fitness coach for the Hungarian sevens team. Um, and after that, I've been to a few 15s teams like training camps and stuff. And it's I, I, I've wanted to, and I've proposed a few times to give players like year-round training plans, um, but that's kind of not happened. Right now I'm basically used for on the day, um, warm-ups and cool-downs between the sessions, suggesting what food they can have um, and giving like maybe a mini talk before. Um, so it's kind of like on-day prep. I wouldn't like to, I'd like to call myself their strength and conditioning coach, but I feel like I would be training them the whole year round. I, I, I come and uh, on the training camps and on the games, I'm there to help with that stuff and kind of anything really as well. So more of a consultation role at the moment. Yeah, jumping in when they need me, um, which is definitely fun and it's wicked and it's cool. We've, we went to Krakow in Poland and I was at an international game. I was like, this is mental. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's fun. It's really cool. What what level would you say the Hungarian national team is? Because for for be it you and I being British, we know there's there's tiers. You've got the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. Where would you rank the Hungarians on, on say the, the the next rung of teams in Europe? I don't know what the tiers are thingy, but we played Poland and we got beat by a fair bit. And I think Poland have been in the World Cup a few times. So so they've not. Never. 
Mm-hmm. So that's my my international rugby knowledge is poor. Um, I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about players. There's certain players who play um, Nat One in in England, which is which is three from the top. There, there's another a few high players that play. I think Division Three or Four in France. Um, so so certain players are very good. Um, Within, within the country, it's it's completely different ball game because from five years old, I could play rugby every single weekend against the new against the new team, and you learn through playing. And there's there's a million coaches, whatever. Uh, but here it's very new. I think the Hungarian Rugby Union was set up in the 80s. Uh, currently, I believe there's only 14 clubs in the whole country, um, and the team, the local team I'm with now, um, there's only five games every like in the spring and five in the autumn, which compared to English or UK rugby, you might get 30, uh, 30 a year. So there's, um, there's not much chance to practice. It's not as, it's not promoted. It's not on TV. You have to watch it online. Um, so the standards growing. And I think there's a bit more of a, an expat, or there is more of an expat scene around, especially Budapest. And, and we're kind of bringing different elements, which is, which is fun. Um, fun to be back into rugby because in my personal training the last few years I was just in a gym and I kind of fancied something new so coming here kind of revitalized the the rugby part of it um but yeah that that would be the level I would say that I don't think there's any profession there's no professional players here um certain players that play in the international team are level three and four in their countries England France um a few places like that um there's a game which I'm not attending against Luxembourg next weekend will be cool. And we're playing Sweden at home. Um, I know, I know sevens because I've been more involved in that. We were in one from the top. We were in, I think there's, oh, I don't know the names of it. League one is England, Scotland, South Africa. League two, we got invited to this year, um, which is countries like Czech Republic were in it few places like that and then we got promoted and then unfortunately due to technicality we went back down so in the sevens we we were in the second group of you of eu rugby nations i think 15s it's it's a one more step down so it's i think it's league three in europe might be oh it's a bit more difficult isn't it to be able to be able to amass 15 players to put on a pitch as opposed to sevens is, I won't say there's less speciality, but they've pretty much got to be able to run, tackle, and be able to go 20, mm. mi- t- 20 minutes solid mm. multiple times in a day. So they're more they're more of obviously machines, the, the seven guys, because ultimately they got to be robust, go two, three times, mm. possibly. I think the old days were maybe four games in it. And then obviously a tournament, tournament the yeah, whole, depends the on whole weekend. Get, yeah. So yeah. It, it it's you 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 see it probably with oh the Americans played New Zealand in the 15th thing last year and got battered. But I don't know what the point of that was, other than uh they played it in the US. But for an American audience, that's gonna turn a lot of people off because why are you gonna support a team that's getting beaten by hundred points? Well, I think it would bring spectators because New Zealand are globally known. That would bring people to watch a rugby game. Yeah, but you want to see them be competitive as well. You, you yeah, see, you do. But you want to see okay, they get battered by Ireland and, and and France in the autumn, but you want to see the the best. And oh, it's obviously the the game's got to grow. 
it's what I like about the sevens circuit of, you know, you've got your minnows of Kenya. Uh, well, not very not that many, but as in you wouldn't expect the Kenyans to be good at rugby. Um, what's one of the other ones? Uh, we'll see what happens with Russia, with, with where we're at right now, with... Um, with sport they're being banned, they're being banned left things. they're being banned yeah. left right and center uh i know the they're talking about the paralympics which starts on friday it's like well the team's already going to be in beijing so we allowed the well kid the invasion happened after the olympics but the, the olympic athletes were able to compete thus it be it'd be hard to to kind of go well, that's the pinnacle of disabled sport and people have spent their lives in some instances preparing for they might only have one game. Mm-hmm. I had to, I was lucky I had two. Did I ever expect to get two? No chance. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been happy with one. But so I'm on the fence with that one because it's like, yeah, okay, sport probably needs to take a stand, kind of say, well, this is not acceptable and we'll sanction you this way. But, yeah. But yeah. it's, it's, it's it's not the country hurting hurting people. We're in a politics talk now, James. <laughs> Definitely no, but not it's the same, it'd be this. It'd be the same with anti-doping. Uh-huh. Well, the Russians were the same with that. Of it was statewide doping, uh, and I think slowly but surely, it's gone from I can't remember how long ago neutral country that they were representing the, virtually the IOC and the IPC to the the, the Winter Games just gone. For, for the Olympics of it's still the it's the Russian uh, Olympic Committee still pretty much Russia you might as well just let them compete under the flag is it oh, I didn't know that well it's pretty much it's 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 the Russian flag with the Olympic rings over the top so okay that's pretty much it. as far as I'm concerned that's 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 Russia competing so it, it's it the oh, what's the arbitration one? The arbitration one is a joke, in my opinion, because the one athlete tested positive, was allowed to compete, didn't medal, but obviously if they didn't medal, it'd been a shitstorm. Um, in which in, our, in the winter games, because yeah, that was the either. figure skating, the six, uh, fifteen-year-old tested positive for something. Yeah, uh, not at the games, but uh, in December. So thinking, well, if you've tested positive. You're supposed to be banned because it's cheating. So I I don't know what the the stance is for that. It's for, I think it's very much on the you know equality and things like. Well, no cheating is cheating. You know when you go into sport, these are the okay. The, there's there's grayish lines in any sport, but you 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 either stay the high ground or you don't. Same same with what's been people banned in rugby but for doing cocaine and things like that it's like yes a banned yeah, substance yeah. but it doesn't actually put foot in enhance your performance you'd probably do worse but i think it was um oh god what's the first name stevens the hooker i know it doesn't set it doesn't, set, it doesn't um, set a good example ago, yeah. to the next generation of okay i'll do whatever i want uh, I think he got two years, but in theory, he should be he shouldn't be able to play the game again because it's like, well, if it's on the banned sub- substance, you're not supposed to do it. Why you do it in the first place? Because it's not helping your performance. And what I'm I'm not implying you should do the stuff that's going to make you yeah be able to do more weight, run faster, etc. I'm, I'm not, but maybe he did. Maybe he did it for a game. It helped him. 
Yeah, but it's still not right in terms, <laughs> in terms of. But anyway, if we, we come off this politics and, and, and that aside, it it is the challenges of 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 that progression. It's trying to, you know, emulate athletes that you see, uh, and it's trying to do it in. At the end, you gotta you gotta live with your decisions. So it's if we come back to 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 your story, do you regret maybe kind of poo-pooing the doctor and saying, "No, nah, I'm not likely to get another ACL injury." Do you kind of regret not having a bit more of an open mind? Well, you think when I when he said that to me, I shunned it. Well, that's my impression. No, I think when they said it to me. Uh, they just said, oh, some people have weak, weak ACLs. I kind of like, oh, yeah, it's not going to be me. Don't worry. Um, not shunned it. I'm... Because you can't regret anything because those experiences put me here right now. But with with playing sport, mm, no, I'm going to go back to that. You can't regret those things because otherwise I wouldn't be sat here living this life and talking to you. Maybe if I, Maybe if I had made it more obvious when I really injured it in retraining in when I was out, when I was a teenager, I would have been able to fix it earlier and, and play sport at a different level, but um, not playing rugby shifted me to strongman shifted me to working in a gym and it shifted me all there. So uh, I, I would have had a completely different life. If I maybe had a working knee or two working knees would be would be even better. Do you do you think oh, this is more of a probably male bias? There are probably some female athletes that could probably relate to this. Do you think because of the stereotype of I must be strong, I must persevere, I must push through? Uh it's only a little because I've I've had injuries and um I uh what did I damage? I damaged um, some of my rotator cuff. I thought it was just burning because it was hurting. That was it. I pushed. I pushed through. When it happened, I thought, "Well, it's it's burning. I must be just going to the next level." And that's just the the downside of it. And when I tried to get off the floor, I couldn't move. Literally pushing my arm, and nothing was happening. Because rotator cuff was gone. It's not completely gone. I I damaged it not complete it wasn't a complete tear but it was probably like a micro tear but it was bad enough that i kind of it's a bonus blessing this guy that was probably at the height of my sport because it's it's pretty quick fix it's in the space of physio that day see the doctor that day Mm -hmm. Uh, i have ultrasound so I, I saw the damage that I'd caused. Like, okay, it's a tear. This is the steps you're going to have to take. Obviously, rest, meds. I, I think it was daily physio. So it's, so it's not everybody's got access to that to be able to rehab as quickly. Uh, you're looking like probably having to have an MRI to see the damage that you've done. And then worst case scenario, cortisone injection. Didn't have to have the cortisone injection, thankfully. Um, so when people say to me about that, it's like that's not great in the long run because you 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 you're less susceptible to actually pain reception because you can't actually right. feel mm-hmm. when you're getting close. So for me, they were very shocked. It healed by itself in a week. 
I was and I was back training uh, and competing that following week. I was still very anxious of competing on it because it's like, well, you couldn't push off the floor. The, you couldn't push yourself up off the floor. Well, the, the day that I did it, yeah, to the to one week later, I was be able to and what physio you're, you're getting rid of all the garbage that's in the shoulder etc but i was very surprised i'm very bored as well <laughs> sitting around it's like well i've i've gone and this is when i've gone full time I've, I've i've set my stall out to do this i can't train <laughs> so it was very very it was very um it wasn't stressful but it was very oh, very hard to not do anything Mm-hmm. I think yeah. But you mentioned asking for asking. I think maybe the phrase I'm thinking in my head. A lot of guys or people don't know how to ask for help. And maybe when my knee was bad, rather than going back into that old injury and revisiting it or whatever, I found another sport which kind of like a cortisol. It masked it. Like oh, I can still do this one. I'm just going to forget about this old thing. Let's let's forget about that old trauma that I can't play rugby anymore. And then. Competing in strongman was fun, and then the same thing kind of happened with a different type of injury. So, so asking for help uh, in a sporting scenario, in a personal scenario, in whatever, and asking for help can even be just talking to a mate or relative. Uh, that's that that needs to happen a lot more um, because often a lot of people might be thinking about it, but no one, let's say, is man enough to actually bring it up. But once you do. Um, than they do. I had a meet up with a friend this weekend I haven't seen for three years and we were uni buddies um, talking about our morning routine to get us ready for work and about writing in a journal and about whatever. And we were like, wow, we've changed from back in the day, haven't we? And if and if, uh, if if I think maybe I mentioned the topic, it wouldn't have been brought up and my thoughts about it wouldn't have been, what's the word? Wouldn't have been... I didn't wouldn't realize that someone like that is doing the exact same thing as me. So, so it's to realize that little things that maybe you might be shared, might be holding from certain people there either might be doing the same thing or they could benefit from hearing about your experience with that thing, no matter how funky or weird or strange you might think it is. Do you, do you think you've come to terms with those trauma traumas? My immediate thought is no, just because like I said earlier, limping for a while has has affected me and a few other things so no but I like to go back to the other sentence I said that if those things didn't happen I wouldn't be where I was then and maybe if I didn't stop playing rugby I would have played rugby and not been a PT and maybe I wouldn't have done that I wouldn't have met my fiance and maybe we wouldn't be living in this country and stuff so so probably not over it but I accept that if those things didn't happen I wouldn't be sat here now so work in progress. Yeah, <laughs> trying to go through. So we're coming to the end of today's show. And I like to ask this of all my guests. And I'm going to do like I did last week on, on the other live. I'm going to give you two choices because obviously you're, you're both athletic and, and a coach. So the question I like to ask you, Reagan, if you had to sit down with any athlete dead or alive, for that matter, who would that be and why? Jesus. I don't like being put on the spot. I'm not I'm just thinking of those drinking games when you have to think drink while you think. Who would I like to talk to? Athlete, dead or alive. 
times to give. As aren't these games? Who would I want to talk to? <laughs> I feel like I don't have an answer because my my as I've told you from my stories, my interest in general sports is is not as much as it was, and I can't think of names on the spot. Okay, that's fair enough. What about a coach then? Um, hmm. <laughs> this is the worst time to do it. <laughs> live recordings. I can't think on the spot. I do this with I do this with members or the team or whatever. If I don't know an answer, which is probably more often than not. I'll say, look, man, I don't know. I need to get back to you. That's fine. That's fine. I don't know. I don't know if I'm dying to have conversations with with a sportsman or a or a sports coach right now. In well, the, the in coach where can I am. be the coach can be in any space. It could be business coach. It could be you could. We're taking. We're talking about a word, and they could be your your take on. The athlete obviously is fixed because it's it's within a sporting realm. Whereas a coach, mm. you probably could go down the lines of I'm not I'm trying not leading you your answer now, but say I don't know Tony Robbins down that route. But if you mm. have to think about it, that's fine. I think if anyone if any of these coaches I wanted to learn from, like the guy we work with, I would be doing it if I was desperate to learn from that person. Um, I've only seen like one of Tony Robbins' videos. Who's the other guy? V. Gary V. I think he's just mega uber enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> if I find someone like Richard we work with, like the person I worked with before, like two days after, I message them and say, like, let's let's bloody do it. Um, so uh, that's my terrible answer to that question, James. All right. And the last question before we wrap up the episode is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? That's better. Sorry, I gave you terrible answers yesterday. You asked me for something similar yesterday and I was like, how can I talk about, we haven't had the show yet. How can I summarize what we've been talking about? Um, I'm going to talk about myself in the third person. Oh, my camera's gone. Regan's journey through sports um, and how he's, turned into a coach and the experiences that have turned him into the person and coach he is today. Look at that. That was off the cuff. My camera's done. So once again, Regan, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Just having me, man. It's my first time being a guest. I was well excited. <laughs> thanks again for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. <laughs>